The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Today, we are talking about student privacy. And I am so thrilled because today we have with us, coming all the way from D.C. this morning, we have Tyler Park, who is Policy Counsel with the Future of Privacy Forum. You can find out a lot more about him and his wonderful background at privacypiracy.org and also at his website at the Future of Privacy. It's uh, fpf.org. So, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on. It's wonderful. So Tyler, first of all, tell us how is it that you got into student privacy and your interest in that? Well, um, so it kind of started when I was young, actually. I grew up in, uh, in Silicon Valley and kind of got you know, steeped in the technology culture there. Um, and I ended up going to law school at the uh, University of Colorado Boulder, which has a great technology program. Got interested in technology privacy, or, or excuse me, technology policy. Moved out to Washington, and uh, and I learned about the Future Privacy Forum actually when I was out here. Um, and it's an organization that is that is centrist, and that's a, a data pri- data positive organization. And what we try to do is really be thoughtful about um, new uses of technology and how they impact people's privacy, and uh, and just try to be voices of of kind of reason on on a lot of the the topics that. Uh, that are raised by, by technology use today. So I'm, I've been uh, leaning in and very excited to be doing it ever since. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about um, some of the ways that school systems use data, student data, and what do you think about that? Well, you know, schools kind of use a, a variety of data in a variety of different ways. Um, and, you know, that's everything from kind of enrollment data. That's, that's you know, when, when you enroll in school, they collect your name, address, telephone number, things like that, all the way to tracking student performance, you know, running learning management systems, um, tracking health and discipline, um, and providing kind of huge amounts of resources that are available online. Um, and so, you know, schools are using all sorts of data these days. And one of the effects of that has actually been to really improve student learning um, and student outcomes. Yeah, so there are some good things that really happen from it, but what are some of the concerns that we would have about the student privacy and the lack of it? Well, um, it kind of depends person to person exactly what, what, what a person's sensitivity for their own data use is. Um, and, and there are kind of special concerns 
in the school context um, as, as compared to kind of like a, a regular consumer context. Um, for example, students when they go to school don't necessarily have a lot of choice or a lot of insight um, typically into how their data is going to be used or what it's going to be used for. Um, and so the privacy concerns there can be that, you know, their people aren't kind of willingly giving, giving over their data, but, but even beyond that, um, there are, there are real concerns that, um, you know, data that's, that's collected might be misused, for example, to deliver advertising to students, um, within the context of schools. Um, and there are kind of, kind of a lot of others, but, but I mean, the, the school context is kind of a special context because typically it's a safe space for students to learn and to grow. Um, and we, you know, we really want to keep it that way. And to share, right? And we also worry about, you know, such things as, you know, identity theft and securing and making sure that the data is protected. What are some of the laws that we have regarding student privacy right now? So there's there's kind of a lot of different laws um, that, that protect student privacy. Um, the main one is a federal law called FERPA, which is the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Um, and what that does is, is it's a law that protects student records. So anything that, that a school collects and then a school shares as part of its um, you know, in, in its role as a, as a provider of educational services, um, that is protected by that law. And, and what, what FERPA does is it gives parents rights. It gives parents rights to access and to correct those records. Um, and it, gives, it, it, it puts limits on how schools can, can share the data. Um, but in addition to that, there's COPPA, which is the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, um, which is not in the school context specifically, but what it's designed to do is give children under the age of 13 certain protections and their parents' rights to control what information is collected about them and what information is, uh, and, and whether or not that, that information is kept by, by a company. Um, then there's then there's PPRA, which, if I remember correctly, is the Protection of Pupil Rights Amendment um, that has to do with surveys in schools. And kind of beyond that, there has actually been a real development in state-level student privacy laws, um, beginning with, with two laws, one in Oklahoma, one in California, in kind of the 2014 timeframe. Those laws have kind of kicked off an explosion of, of right around, I, I think the last count was 113 to 116 or so student privacy laws um, around the country in 40 states. Right, yeah. So um, what measures can schools implement to really protect pri the privacy of student data and the privacy of the students themselves? So there's, there's kind of two things to think about here. One is security and one is privacy. So security is, some, is, is the way that that, that schools are actually kind of physically protecting the data. So that's either software protections or allowing certain people to access or not access data. Um, so it's really important for schools to keep, the, keep that data secure. Um, and they can, they can have measures like having an actual software program that, that encrypts data. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of schools and districts will do that through their kind of IT program. They're, they can also set up something called kind of a data governance plan, which is, which is how schools will organize where information is kept, how it is kept, and who has access to it. So that's kind of one side, um, is, is making sure that people don't have kind of unauthorized access. And the other is, is, is privacy, which is, which is making sure that people don't accidentally misuse the data. Um, and by the way, um, those aren't kind of technical distinctions, but that's, an, that's a good way to think about privacy versus security. Um, 
so privacy and privacy hand in hand. they do so so what what they say is is you can have security without privacy but you cannot have privacy without security Mm -hmm. um, so, and so privacy, you know, privacy measures that schools can implement are, are things like, like implementing staff training to make sure that teachers and, and district, uh, kind of personnel know what they can and can't do with data. And, and that comes down to things like making sure that, that people aren't clicking on bad links and emails and, and getting their, their, their email passwords stolen, making sure that their passwords aren't, you know, sitting on the side of their monitor so that a student can, can walk up and access the data. That sort of thing can go a really, really long way. And also, you know, schools have health data on kids, too, which is another protected area of privacy as well. So that's yeah, they have um, that's right. So so schools can can store health data and health data just uh, just to kind of set the record straight is is typically protected under a federal law called HIPAA. But uh, the, the kind of health protections don't apply in, in a school context um, under that law, at least. All of it is kind of shuffled under, under FERPA, the federal law I mentioned earlier. But, but schools absolutely do have that information. And it, and it can be sometimes really sensitive information, like information about a student's disability status or information about, about illnesses that a student's had, you know, things that, that generally you wouldn't want being kind of public or shared around. Right, exactly. So um, what are the most immediate threats to student privacy these days? Well, so the threats is, is kind of a strong word, and it's something that, that you can take a lot of directions. Um, you know, what, what, you know, for folks listening in, what, what I would say is, is uh, think about it this way. People need to sit up and pay attention to student privacy. Um, you know, security is an issue. There, there have been actually examples where, where schools have been hacked. Um, there was a kind of specific hack uh, that was that was done by by a group called Dark Overlord, um, and what happened was they exploited uh, vulnerabilities in schools and were able to get st uh, students' names, addresses, contact information, and sent. They did a really a lot of kind of horrific things, like send death threats and and publish the information. Um, and, and so making sure that students' information is protected is really, really important. Um, identity theft, as you mentioned earlier, Mary, is, is, is another one, um, because children in particular are really vulnerable to, to identity theft because, you know, if someone gets your social security number, a, a child might, uh, might not use it for the next, you know, 15 years. Um, and might not notice. Credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's very easy to use their name, their name and their social and create a credit profile. Yeah, I've had to help many families that they had child identity theft and that, then the kid turned 16 and they can't buy a car. They can't do yeah. anything. <clears throat> yeah, that's scary. But but there is kind of one other thing that I want to mention there too, but there's, there is also the other side is if there's too much monitoring and if schools, excuse me, if students don't feel kind of free to be in a situation where they can be creative and make mistakes and like those mistakes will follow them forever you can you can have students that are really affected and feeling like they're they're not autonomous and they don't have the ability to actually you know be creative and take risks and learn um and you know no one wants to go to school in something that feels like a prison-like environment um and but but and then kind of the, the last thing that i wanted to cover here is that the you know, fear 
can of of kind of privacy issues and data use can cause people to overcorrect. And sometimes we've seen laws that go too far and that actually kind of restrict schools' abilities to use really exciting new beneficial technologies. So all of those things are in the mix, and the trick is finding the balance that's right for for the school or community that's that's trying to think about how to protect students, but also um, use really cool new technologies. Right. Well, what about parents? Um, what should parents be doing and what should they be thinking about since parents may be listening in? Right. Um, no, I mean, that's a great question. And a lot of the changes that we've seen in student privacy have actually been driven by, by parents who are concerned, who are risk averse, and who are asking all the right questions. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, first, first things first, I mean, schools have a lot of different priorities uh, going into kind of the conversation about how to protect student privacy. Schools have to worry about, you know, performance, discipline, uh, whether, they're, whether they're keeping their students safe. Um, and so this is kind of one of a number of competing concerns. Um, but, but parents should absolutely have the ability to ask questions about how their data, how their children's data is being kind of collected and used and get kind of straightforward answers. Um, one of the things that we've seen that's, that's most beneficial for everybody is when there's a sense of transparency and a sense of trust. Um, so parents should be able to ask questions and get answers um, that make sense um, to, to, to their questions. And, and, you know, folks in schools, uh, the best way to kind of approach student privacy from and dealing with or with answering those questions is just to be straightforward and honest um, about, about the practices that are in place. Um, you know, so, so parents should be able to ask these questions. Right, right. Uh, so how are teachers and school staff um, treated to protect, you know, what should they be, how are they trained and how should they be trained so that they are part of the whole process of protection? Well, what I, what I will say is it's a, it's a really important thing that, that staff, uh, including teachers, get the training that they need. Um, that's actually one of the best ways to protect student privacy, especially from breaches and unintentional kind of disclosures. So, you know, one of the ways that we've seen it done really well is actually the state of Utah uh, wrote a student privacy law and included funding in that law that created a state level agency where, where there are actually folks whose job it is to specifically go around and provide materials to teachers and, and actually they, they caravan around the state and go to, go to the big districts and provide kind of in-person training. Um, and it's a requirement in their state law that, that um, folks have to go through kind of a meaningful training once a year on student privacy. Um, that's been kind of one of the most successful er approaches that we've seen, but this can also be done by districts um, or, or by individual schools. You know, folks who are concerned, um, if, you, if you use the, the kind of free materials that are out there, the free resources that are available in Utah and, in, you know, through my organization and kind of a number of others, um, there are ways to, to kind of use free resources and provide that training. Um, and it's absolutely crucial that that happens. I know that Dan Solov has this Teach Privacy program as well. Right. He's very much into that. Now, even though we're sitting here on the campus at the University of California, Irvine, a lot of the things that apply to K through 12 really still apply to university as well. We have to worry about university students, although usually they're 18 or over when we're talking to them. But a lot of these issues really do apply to our universities as well, don't they? 
Yeah, they do. Um, one thing that, that a lot of folks don't know is that um, the, the kind of laws, for, for the most part, the laws that I was talking about earlier, especially FERPA, um, do apply in the, in the context of higher education. Um, and in that case, it's a lot less um, parents who are involved because FERPA has, has kind of an age, age gate where mm -hmm. students who are 18 or older have the same rights that their parents did when they were in K-12. So they have the right to access their data um, and, to, and to correct any, any uh, records that the school has um, uh, that, that pertain to them. You know, that's such an important issue. I should just tell you quickly the story that my former husband wanted to go to medical school. And um, what happened was when he applied for medical school, no, I'm sorry, at first he was going to go to law school. And uh, when he applied, we didn't know this, but there was another Joel Frank, and they sent out the wrong records. And we didn't know because they didn't give us a copy, even though we asked for it. And oh, no. so we didn't know about this till he was rejected by every school except NYU, who said, wait a minute, your social is different than the social on these records. They found it. But anyway, long story short, he, he decided that it must be fake, and he went back to medical school instead, and he's a doctor. But, but um, that was a pretty horrible experience for us when he was graduating from college and wanting to go to medical school, they just sent out the wrong records and didn't give us a copy. Yeah, so, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there are so many errors. We know even with credit reports, there's errors. So you can imagine the errors and how important it really is for parents and students to get copies of those records just in case somebody is mixed up with someone else. It happens more than we would imagine. Yeah, and, and having and having the, the rights kind of there in federal law to, to be able to go and do that is, is I think, really a, a good protection for folks. Um, and it's something that, that is meaningful and that people should know about. Yeah, yeah. Let's turn now to school of safety. And um, what, kind, how me what kind of measures are there to, uh, to protect students physically uh, and, and you know, that impact, how does that impact the situation? Tell us a little bit about school safety. Yeah, I, well, so, so just to kind of level set, um, you know, school safety has been a really uh, important cutting edge kind of conversation that's been happening in the student privacy world and in the education more, world more broadly. I mean, in, in following kind of a series of really, really horrific school shootings, um, schools really understandably have taken steps to try to protect their students. Um, and those are kind of important steps to take. Um, but but there, there also have been kind of questions raised about making sure, well, there, there have been kind of conversations about how to make sure that those measures which are designed to, to, to protect students are one, effective, and two, they don't, they aren't kind of trampling the rights of, of those students. In other words, they're protecting students' privacy. So, so schools have done kind of a number of things, um, and these are these are these can be kind of basic security, physical security kind of measures like um, bringing in metal detectors or or video cameras um, to, to surveillance issues. Yeah, right. Um, th so those those are those are kind of one. Um, but but schools also mm -hmm. kind of have increasingly been doing things like monitoring students' devices and social media usage in order to identify um, potential threats or, or students who, who need help. Um, and those are things where the, the, the questions of how far is too far are really hard to answer. Um, and they're things that 
um, schools really need to, to think carefully about um, and to make sure that they're working with the communities that they serve to, to be sure that, that, you know, when they are taking measures that, that they do need to take, they're, they're kind of doing the minimum amount that they need to get what, what information they, they need, and then they're protecting students at the same time um, from things like constant monitoring, um, feeling surveilled, um, from being flagged for discipline for things that, you know, might have been misunderstood or taken out of context. Those sorts of things are really, really challenging, but they're really important questions. Yeah, and they are challenging because a lot of this stuff goes on, for example, even the bullying can go on in the social networking, and that's out of the school's purview. But, you know, how far does the school participate when the kids do come to school? It's a big, it's a big challenge for them, isn't it? Well, and, it, and it's even a little bit more complicated than that, because you're right. I mean, the on-school, off-school kind of distinction is, is a hard line for schools to walk. Um, but it's even harder when schools, as they are often kind of doing nowadays, are providing one-to-one -one devices. In other words, every a, a lot of kind of K through 12 schools will give students um, an iPad or a Chromebook or some sort of other other kind of physical device for them to actually use as part of their schoolwork, but the students take those devices home. And then there's a question of, of you know, the schools monitor those, those devices typically at school um, because they're required to under federal law, um, a, a law called SIPA. Um, but then there's, there also, there's a question of when do you turn that surveillance off? Is it when the students are home? Is it when they're in the school bus? Um, and those are, those are hard as well um, because, because it's, it's not easy to know when a school you know, should or should not be, be um, collecting information from students like that. Uh, I, and you know, the intentions can be good, but um, the, privacy kind of, the, the privacy consequences can be uh, hard to navigate as well. Yeah, and I think what's what's a challenge is when parents find out that their kids are bullied, they go to the school and they say, do something about this because, you know, the kids go to your school. And even though it's happening online at night, you have a duty. And I think it's, it is, it's a huge challenge, that division, that line of division. Absolutely. So, uh, what recommendations have been made to the uh, federal communications schools uh, and school, as far as school safety, have there been some federal uh, suggestions and recommendations? Yeah, so, so what happened was the Federal Department of Education um, put together a commission um, to address kind of a lot of these, these questions about school safety. It was called the Federal, federal Commission on School Safety. Um, and what happened was um, they, they kind of sought input from a lot of different groups, um, and FPF was one of those groups that, that um, was actually called to testify in front of the commission. Um, and kind of what we recommended was making sure that the Department of Education and kind of by extension, everybody who's, who's thinking about this issue are really kind of carefully approaching the topic and they're mindful of the, the kind of full range of, of privacy risks and harms, but also the importance of having safeguards um, kind of of all types for students. Um, and so we recommended that they communicate with all, you know, as many different groups as they can and to facilitate that communication between, for example, schools and law enforcement and academics and, uh, and other folks who are, who are working, but also legal experts who already understand the protections in place for health and safety that are contained in FERPA, um, the, the Federal Education Privacy Law. 
So um, we recommended that they do that and that they look at, they try to collect as much empirical research as they can. Um, and they, they kind of took some of those recommendations. Um, what, what came out of the, the commission, because they've, they've actually put out their report already, mm-hmm. um, was that they, they kind of said that privacy was important, but didn't really give schools kind of meaningful guidance on how to achieve that. Um, and then they, they kind of surprisingly called for um, FERPA to be modernized. Um, and that was something that nobody really asked for, but, but um, or at least as far as we know, nobody kind of made a strong push for that. But that was, that was contained in the report. Um, and then kind of the other notable outcome was that they didn't actually make any recommendation to research the root causes of, of school shootings and, and to determine kind of effective prevention measures. Um, so that was something that we were a little concerned about. But um, yeah, the, the, the Department of Ed looked at it and, and is taking school safety, I think, seriously. Well, that's good. I know you were involved in this policymaker's guide to student data privacy, which I thought was really <laughs> well done. And uh, so how did that come about? Yeah, so, uh, you know, one of the things that's happened is, is kind of like I mentioned from 2014 on, at the state level, there's been a really large and and, uh, robust interest in student privacy and protecting student privacy. Um, And so, like I said, 40 laws, 40 states have have passed laws, but also, you know, they're continuing to do so and continuing to update those those laws. And what we've heard is that there was a real lack of, of resources and of support for the policymakers who are actually trying to go out and write those laws. Um, And so what we did was we worked with seven other fantastic organizations um, that, that are either, that are in kind of the education and, and data world. Um, and we put together kind of all, everything that we could think of that's out there already that has to do with student data privacy. So it's, it lists all the federal laws that are, that are on the books. Um, we go through a lot of the state law trends. We talk about where states have kind of run into trouble in terms of having unintended consequences of their laws. Um, and so we really try to make uh, ma- we really try to make kind of as unbiased and and as as um, kind of information heavy a guide as we could for for those folks to rely on. Um, and so hopefully it's a useful resource for for people at the state level, at the district level, and for anyone else who's interested in kind of taking a dive into really the legal side of, of student privacy. Really, we're going to be getting these laws passed, and they're going to have negative consequences. This is a way they have some guidance here to help them. So I thought it was a, a great job. So well, thank you. we only have a, about another minute left. And uh, I just wonder if you could give us some resources that people can go to uh, your website um, <laughs> and other resources people can go to to learn more about student privacy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there, there are kind of many out there. Um, but the one I want to kind of give the, the biggest plug to is FERPASherpa.org, um, just kind of spelled like that, F-E-R-P-A-S-H-E-R-P-A dot O-R-G. Um, and there, what, 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 what we've done is try to compile all of the resources that are out there um, on, on student privacy. Um, so it's hopefully a good place for people of all, of all walks who are interested in student privacy to go and to, to, and to learn more. 
Um, beyond that, um, the, the Department of Education has a fantastic privacy center. If you go to privacy.ed.gov, there are a number of resources available. Um, and, and those can really help. Um, the last thing I'll say is if you're kind of a, interested in kind of a district level perspective or a state level perspective, um, or really an intro to a lot of this more, more generally, um, the state of Utah, their, their kind of state executive body that I, that I mentioned, they've created a number of, of awesome and actually hilarious YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can go to, go to their YouTube channel and kind of check out, check those videos out. And, and they have a lot of fun kind of creating and editing those videos and putting them together and they're really informative and good. Um, so check those out. Just give your website and it's time to go. Okay. Um, yeah, you can check us out at, at fpf.org, um, the Future of Privacy Forum, and, and, uh, and hopefully we can be a use, helpful resource to, to everyone out there who wants to learn more about this. Well, thank you so much for all your great work, Tyler. Tyler Park, you're wonderful, and we will have you back again. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, great. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Thank you for joining us. Visit our website at privacypiracy.org and join us next Monday at 8 a.m. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.